Beautiful consciousnesses, uh, thank you for being here with me on the Becoming Whole Again podcast where we talk about overcoming adversity and turning pain into power. This week I had Philippa on the podcast and she's a holistic counselor and she really wanted to address this topic of fear. Those fears that are holding us back from living our best lives. So it was a lovely talk. I am so grateful that she was here with me on the podcast to share perspective and share her stories and to help us to tell us how to overcome those fears. She's a holistic counselor and she is amazing. So feel free to reach out to her if you need a session. And this podcast is sponsored by my workshop awakening to divine love this is a labor of love uh, between me and mariko we created this workshop together back in february and we were ready to host it on april but obviously that didn't happen but the thing is that it's going to be even better because we have grown so much ever since throughout this quarantine time and we've learned and expanded and we have so much more to give and to teach you guys and this workshop is all about celebrating ourselves and embracing our divinity because when we do this we encourage people to do the same and it ripples into the world so we sure hope that you can attend and be with us on Denman for this retreat uh, a link I'll send the link in the description of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and for your support. Please make sure to share and leave a five-star review. Thank you so much. Beautiful consciousnesses, thank you for being here. Today I am chatting with Philippa Wolf. She's a holistic counselor and today we are talking about fear. How are you, Philippa? I am wonderful. Thank you very much. And thank you for inviting me. I'm very honored to be here. My pleasure. So today we are, topic on, uh, we are talking on the topic of fear. And this is something that you are familiar with in your work pra practice and everyday life. I am. Yes, I work with fear, my own fear. And now I try to help other people with their fear. And not necessarily to eliminate it, but to have a better and healthier relationship with it. So it doesn't obstruct life and the progress that we can make. And we can actually use it to see ourselves in a different light and become much more courageous. So fear is something that is in my everyday, one way or another. And of course, I still have fears that I struggle with personally. So it's a continuous work from forever, I think. We all live. So, yes, it's a subject, an everyday subject that I would like to uh, talk about today. And when we talk about fear, we're not talking about the Halloween fear when we go to a haunted house. We are talking about the fear that the mainstream, mainstream media is trying to push on us. And they're, they're, they like having us scared. Why is that? Uh, because it, f well, for many different reasons, I'm sure, but I think the main reason is that we need to be aligned with what they want us to do in life, you know. Um, there are many different fears. I'm sure most of us know the fear of being too old to get married or have children 
or lose out on life. Uh, we are supposed to be having lived our life by the time we are 30, right? Then we're done with that. And by then we should have a career and house and kids. And I mean, if we were working with mainstream, so a lot of people live with the fear of not obtaining that, uh, like a recipe that, and they lose a lot of, for me anyway, the way I see life, they lose a lot of life quality, a lot of opportunity. Um, I think instead of letting life lead you in directions and making choices from what comes your way, um, they kind of push that aside and decide, well, you know, I'm supposed to be, for example, a carpenter or a doctor or so that's, that's it. That's my direction, no matter the struggle, right? The expectation to myself from my family or my culture, that is what I am. And at no time, I think, is there a big space to ask yourself, what is it that I'm actually really desiring to become? And even in that, if we have deep desires for something, we find, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not smart enough, or it's not, I'm, my gender is wrong, I can't be that, or I can never find the money, I'm not clever enough to make that amount of money. So our choices is often based on fear on, on, and lack of ability in, that we fear that we can obtain or we don't have the capacity to receive or obtain knowledge in that direction absolutely i couldn't agree more uh, the society wants us to be programmed a certain way to get married get the dog get the mortgage work nine to five but at what cost and then if we don't have that we feel less than because we don't fit in and what i find interesting that is that most of us end up on denman <laughs> because we just don't fit in that box (laughs) but we fit here on Denman and this is this is home and yeah this is where our soul family is yeah well we're a lot of us are here that don't fit in I came all the way from Denmark and I had to detour and to a lot of places in the world to find a space where this form that I live the being that I am is acceptable and the voice that I have, the love that I would like to give to the souls that surround me and the help that I can is a place where this is acceptable. But would I have been somewhere else, I can guarantee you the help that I can give would have been obstructed by lack of documents or lack of uh, amount of schooling or lack of acknowledgement of the life that I have lived and the knowledge I have gained and the capacity I do have to share with these souls that need help and guidance. Yeah. So we both come from Europe and there's like a heavy programming in Europe, a little less in Canada and because Canada is a new country and Europe, it's the old Europe, old traditions and North America is a little different this way, but still. Yeah, it is. Um, I grew up with so many different kind of restrictions and fear was not to be able to do them correctly in my home, like from the matter of sitting correctly at the dinner table, making sure you pick the right knife and fork, the right glass, you didn't speak at the wrong time. You were sure that you had eye contact and, you know, there were many, many different rules. Um, And some were fun, some not so much. Mm -hmm. But all of them, especially as a little kid, was that I wouldn't do them correctly. And therefore I was fearful of getting scolded or sent to my room or just not being good enough. Mm -hmm. And I think it's followed me a lot of my life. um, This, because I was yelled at, I was not actually doing it the right way all Mm -hmm. the time. 
so um, the fear has followed of not being able to I have I was born with some defects in my brain uh, my mom had an operation when she was five months uh, pregnant with me and they, they had no choice she was going to die if they wouldn't so there's no blame in it but in that process there were certain areas of my brain that was being formed and my eyesight and when I got born um, the brain had to uh, function a little bit different so I had certain disabilities uh, from the view of the system that I grew up in that my brain couldn't I couldn't spell very well um, there were certain learning disabilities but I was super sharp at other things uh, only they were not they were not counted for anything there there was nothing valuable about it so I was I was brought up with that I was stupid and and not good enough and I think a lot of people can relate to this this feeling of not uh, being accepted for the version that we are and then therefore not lovable because that's part of our culture mm -hmm. if you're not good enough then you're not lovable mm -hmm. right you fail this form that you are supposed to fit into and the image you're supposed to fit into for your parents so I missed on all of that and I remember sitting in the car with my parents and had to spell words and my mom being in pieces and uh, because I was apparently lazy uh, mm -hmm. because I couldn't do it and so I hadn't practiced enough even though I spent enormous amount of time practicing but because my brain couldn't put those things together I lived in deep fear mm -hmm. of not being able to succeed anywhere right because I was stupid of course it's a wound and we learn later on in life hopefully to step out of that wound mm -hmm. so we give ourselves an opportunity mm -hmm. But it followed me in being s very fearful of taking chances on what I was attracted to. Mm. So part of me would feel like, no, no, don't, don't go there. And fortunately, I had another part that was really willful inside that said, no, you have to. We're going. We're doing this. Uh, one of them was riding horses. And um, I love it. And I think it taught me. Uh, to connect in a in a different way because I think with horses were the first time even though I was scared I was terrified of falling off and hurting myself but my love for connecting with the animal was bigger mm -hmm. so it, it kind of outweighed it and I find that was my first kind of lesson with learning to work with my own fear because mm -hmm. I wanted it so bad right and it was one of the things I was allowed to do and so falling off and I did a lot <laughs> really a lot and I hurt myself and I even to the point where I had concussions and it was but still did this this super drive of getting over my fear so the enjoyment of um, having that connection with an animal and the everyday contact and the, f the joy that it brought me um, gave me some tools to start working with my fears and my mom was very strict old-fashioned really very European there was so many I couldn't talk back it was not allowed you could not have an opinion um, you know you might be if you were really lucky able to state a little bit of I don't agree mm -hmm. <laughs> and even that would send me to my room right she would be very fierce um, so somewhere it schooled me to be very strong around the opinions I did have if I needed to survive some things but it also made me uh, distant from from life in fear of confrontation with anything it made me choose uh, a lot of stepping away instead of stepping forward and actually being able to express what I felt mm -hmm. um, so I started to look at my fears when I was in my probably mid-twenties 
late 20s and um, I had kind of survived myself to this point of just trying to find work I wasn't able to get the proper education I did go to high school I finished it but not with high grades and um, so the education I really really wanted I couldn't do it was just not uh, possible in in there and so I would just get my stepdad had a company and I would start working there and just take it from there um, but I learned to start looking at myself what I was fearful of and what it would take away from me and it, it really spiked my curiosity what happened when I started stepping in instead of stepping away and of course I would have adrenaline and my mouth would go dry and and half the time I would not succeed because I would be my worst enemy in this but when I did succeed it was such a victory for me that it really gave me the, the desire and drive to uh, conquer my own fear now fear of course is something we need we need it to not uh, have accidents we need to learn I mean from real little if you burn your hands then you learn you know out to be fearful of fire but not to the point where you don't use it you just learn how to use it and I think we can transfer this to many many things in life the, the problem happens when we get a distorted um, imagery of what we are fearful of and these things can come from uh, too much damage in an area so if we get broken in our confidence to make choices for example we get scared of making a choice often with the, the thing that we we don't make it we we wait we wait we wait we wait so somebody actually throws it at us and makes it for us which means we don't express what we are and so we enter into something that we might not really desire to be in we're just doing life we're not living it mm -hmm. So the moment we start to learn that fear can be huge obstructions in what could be magical for us, um, it becomes much more interesting to eliminate them or actually walk with them. Um, so I was in my yeah, late 20s and, and I'm going to give you a little story from my own life because I love it and it's something that made me so very happy and it might inspire others to wake up to sometime it's fun to break everything apart. So I was scared of flying. I had had some uh, experiencing just short trips in Europe and one of those was really uncomfortable and had to do with a flight that they, they had to land in um, on a very short um, uh, landing uh, field and it was really not fun. Anyway, it sparked in me a deep fear. So for years and years I didn't want to go fly. But I was also annoyed by it. I wanted to go to the States because that was fascinating. And Europe for us, the States is something else, right? Um, so that was a deep desire. I wanted to see palm trees and blue water. And I couldn't because I was couldn't get there. So I decided one day that I needed to go. And I found this ticket and it was a 10-hour flight. And I thought, well, you cannot be scared for 10 hours. That's not possible. So that will cure me, right? And I can tell you, I was sick of fear for a week before I left. So much so that my best friend at the time had to literally drag me out of the apartment and into her car and drive me to the airport and make sure I got in line to get in there because I didn't want to go, right? I was so scared. And in I go and off we take. And yeah, you can be scared for 10 hours. That's literally a thing. <laughs> So I was really terrified. But the minute that we landed, and I went to St. Croix, the Virgin Islands, for two weeks. The minute we landed and the door opened and I stepped out of the plane, I felt like I'd come home. 
for the first time in my life and the smells and the sounds and the feeling was absolutely divine and I was so confused by this because that was not what I expected at all I mean, I was exhausted right <laughs> being scared mm -hmm. for that long takes a lot out of you and so I drove in the middle of the night they took me into this cab and drove me and this trip there was different hotels involved so I was the last one in the cab and uh, the beautiful driver set me off in the middle of nowhere by the ocean and it was a it was kind of a harbory thing but and he said just stay there they're gonna come get you now you guys have to understand it was middle of the night and it was pitch black and I had no clue where I was so I was terrified and out of the blue or the actually the dark here comes this little boat and all I can see are two white eyes and one tooth because there was the only thing that showed white right and this little giggle comes and, and a beautiful old man waves me into a tiny tiny boat with my luggage and then he started uh, rowing me somewhere and I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to disappear forever. This is it. I'm done for. But he actually just rode me for a little bit over to a tiny island, which I still didn't know. And I got found my hotel, got in, and woke up the next morning to paradise. And I was... I was it was one of the most beautiful moments there was it was so fantastic there was everything I dreamed of you know the palm trees the ocean and that moment of realizing by conquering my fear I had gotten myself there so after spending two weeks in falling deeply in love with the place I decided to take it even further mm -hmm. and I went home and I quit my job which I had wanted to do for a really long time because I was working way too hard and too many hours uh, um, and I sold my apartment and everybody called me absolutely crazy and I had this deep glowing warm feeling of I had to there was no rhyme or reason in it and and they were all like but you can't do this you're gonna you're gonna lose your pension you're gonna lose everything you know and you're gonna grow tired of it and I just knew so deep in my soul that no I wasn't and that was the way I had to do. I had no explanation other than I have to. Um, so I did. And I moved to St. Croix um, and ended up working on some boats that would take people out to coral reefs and um, teach them about taking care of the ocean, which is one of my biggest passions now in life. Uh, and I had three years that were unbelievably beautiful and rough I worked seven days a week and mm. I had almost no pay right yeah. <laughs> but it was fantastic I was so alive and I was so fit right and so conquering that fear letting go of everything I knew and actually creating chaos yeah. um, brought me one of the best experiences in my life apart from having my child so my my advice to people is to step aside when you have fear and you, we all know when we have fear I know when I get fear I have fear now fear my child is going to get hurt um, you know now we had the pandemic um, I wasn't scared of getting it but I was scared of giving it if I got it mm -hmm. to someone else yeah. so the fear of, of hurting others but if you have fear if you have fear of choice fear of making the wrong choice I can only tell you look at it Look at it like it's a foreign object. Take your fear and put it on the table in front of you and love it. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong. It's there for you. It's right? a teacher. Yeah, 
It's there for you to try and tell you something about yourself and have a discussion with it. Mm-hmm. Have a look at it and say, okay, what am I really scared of? Well, mostly we're scared of failing. We're scared of others' opinions about what's going to happen. But the thing is, nobody lives your life but you. Nobody has those emotions and joys and inner thrills and tickles and, and, and sad and everything but you. So, of course, we don't go out there and make a choice to hurt others. That's, that is self-explanatory. But when we make that choice about our lives, what we want to do, and where we're going to aim, where we want to live, how we want to live that, that's your choice. Mm-hmm. That's your responsibility. Right? Um, I love that story. Thank you so much for sharing. And every time someone calls me crazy, I'm so honored. Yeah, right? <laughs> I am it's so honored. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I know. It's a good thing now. So way to go and yeah. way to go uh, to conquer your fears because we have uh, you here on Denman. Yeah. And yeah. then the other thing is that when you mentioned about people projecting their fears onto you saying you're mm-hmm. going to lose your pension this is mm-hmm. how they keep us enslaved yeah yeah it is and um that ship has sailed yeah i thought it's gone yeah long gone i wanted to share something else because i think it's relevant and and a little darker and a little heavier but i think it's easier for people to conceive when we share something from our own life and um in my counseling work i uh, of course deal a lot with people's depression and um, I have to say that um, I had a very severe depression. Mm, it was about a year and a half after I had Chile. And I was living in Quebec. And the way our living situation was that I was far away from more civilization, which was wonderful. I was like being uh, at a retreat for seven years. <laughs> but I was in the middle of nowhere. And it was beautiful. It was a fantastic area. Very honored to have lived there and been there. Um, but my partner had to leave for weeks at a time and um, I had to deal with a very big house and maintenance and the child and there was nothing wrong in that but out of nowhere um, I had a depression and I never ever in my life had anything like that I've been very scared very uh, all kind of things but they would go you know I would leave uh, the next day or a couple of days but this this thing hit me physically almost like um, it hit me in the chest and I started crying, and uh, I had no idea what was going on, and I didn't stop. I didn't stop crying, and I was alone with it because my partner was away, and he had no ability to, I mean, he was far away, right? There was nothing to be done. So I thought, oh, it's, go- it's going to stop. I'm just, you know, I'm just sad, and um, I was really scared. After a week or two where it started being, I woke up at 4 o'clock every morning, and it was like having fire ants under my skin. And it was like somebody had opened a portal to hell. All I could hear was people screaming and horrible, horrible, horrible visions of people getting tortured. And I couldn't stop it. I couldn't turn it off. And I had no power. I lost all power around myself. And I was so scared. And I had my little child. And what I did was I had, you know, had to take care of him all day long, and of course, and there was just me, um, and so I, I, I did that every day. That was the only thing I focused on. And every time I would cry, you know, when the zipper didn't want to work or nothing, you know how it's hard. You have no ability to do much when you're that depressed. Even getting out of bed is a thing, and I had to get out of bed. I have to feed my beautiful child, 
So I, um, I did get out, and as soon as I put him back to sleep, I would fall apart. And then I would get back up, and this went on for a very long time. So after three months of this, I thought, okay, this, that's it, I'm done for. I called a friend of mine that I have in New York, and uh, he has MS. And so he knows how it is to live with fear and dealing with it hard. I said, I don't, I, I can't, I've done much in life. I've fought, you know, really, really scary stuff. I've met sharks, I've done a lot of things. Uh, but this, this self uh, hurts that it actually is. And I, I don't know what to do. And he said, Philly, you know, why don't you look at it from a whole different perspective? He said, you're in it, it's horrible. We can agree about that. And it feels awful. Physically, it feels really awful. There's no way to control it. But what if you look at it like you were in school? Like it's something you're going to be dealing with and helping others with later in life. And if you start de-dramatizing it and just say, okay, it's just how it is, just like a broken leg or mm -hmm. it's, it's just something in the head that doesn't want to function correctly. Um, but study it, look at it and hold its hand to say, okay, this is where we are. There's a reason for it. I'm not sure what it is, but I'll take it. And uh, I'll just I'll just see what happens with it, and that gave me just that moment of peace for a second, and then I thought, oh well, if I can have just one moment of breath, I can probably have one more. And I did the thing I just told you about earlier. I took my depression, and it was a physical thing, of course, but I took it the, the concept of it. I took it and I put it in front of me every day, and I looked at it and I say, I love you. I don't know why you're here, but I know you're here to do something for me that I'm not able to do myself. Something I missed, something I didn't do, something you're trying to tell me, so I will listen. And when I would do that, I realized I would have the space over here, the one that was staring at the depression, could breathe a little bit. And slowly it started going away. A little bit every day, a little less. I would sleep a little longer. The ants under my skin would leave. The portal to whatever that was fortunately closed. And I learned that with everything I've been scared of, and there's been a lot, I have to say that. I've been fearful of many things. Um, I do that. I walk with it. I hold it. I don't disown it. But I look at if it's disabling my life. And if I'm scared of speaking out loud my opinion, then that's okay. I will take a breath, I'll hold his hand and say, okay, let's go talk. Let's go say what it is I'm a little bit scared of saying. So make it something that's still there, makes me stop for a second, makes me make sure I make the right decision, but it's not controlling my life. Uh, that's a really good point and that reminds me of Vipassana because what Vipassana teaches you is to observe whatever arises. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, where does it come from? Does it belong to me? Because very often it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to our parents, to our grandparents. Yeah. It's been passed on to us. So it's really good to look at it and analyze it uh, because this is how you're able to overcome it. And, and it made me it made me wake up to that the reason why I had the depression was I had this inner voice that was criticizing all the time. I was dissatisfied, mm -hmm. but I couldn't verbalize it out. There was no one to say it to and when my partner would come home that there wouldn't be no time for that. 
So I had created a life for myself where I actually couldn't really exist. But it was up to me to change it. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know how. So it just kept gnawing at me on the inside and inside. And then the depression, of course, arrived. But it took me all the way to the other side to actually see this and change mm -hmm. that around. And it was not difficult to change. It was up to me. But it just seems so overwhelming. When you have that inner voice that just keeps criticizing everything and you're dissatisfied. Well, I'm doing the dishes again. Oh, I'm doing this again. Well, you know, you feel like you get lost in that. But that's the voice, that's the depression voice, that's the fear voice, right? That's really impressive that you were able to overcome that on your own because very often in society, people go for the quick fix. They go to the doctor, they pop a pill yeah. and uh, that doesn't so solve the problem. No. And um, no. It can assist for some people if it's too overwhelming, I will say that. Um, but I think before anything unless you're really really ill and there are other mm -hmm. you know other things to it i have had cancer patients and and uh terminal and um sometimes the nervous system is so flawed that that can assist a little bit but i find that most of the time really sitting down and and getting witnessed having somebody listen uh to what is in there and de-dramatizing it often we get so stuck in there that it gets so overwhelming we can't we can't seem to find a way out but we, if we have somebody who will sit with us and not kind of get it to be overwhelming and big but putting it in a place where we can actually deal with it see it and and contact with it it's mostly doable and it becomes friendly instead of being un, unlivable um, when I was in my marriage and um It was really bad and my fear was to miss out on life. Mm. And that helped me. Uh, fear is not always the enemy, it has a purpose. Mm. And purp uh, fear had the purpose in my marriage to get me out of there. I was like, mm. this is a shit show, I'm out of here. There's more to life. So I'm grateful that fear guided me out of this marriage. Yeah, but fear will often be a guide to something needs to be changed, right? Which is a huge help. That's why I'm saying, don't, don't, don't push it away. Have a talk. Look at what's why. I, why am I fearful? And then, if I am fearful, am I correctly fearful, or do I need to make a change? Do I need to make something different? Am I not able to have a voice because I'm scared of the argument that will come with it, or the overpowering failure feeling, or uh, somebody is telling me I can't. Well, maybe I can, but I'll learn or I'll give it a good go. And that's the source that needs to come behind that, the push. It sounds easy, I know. But it is actually a really, really good technique to learn to learn more about the self, why we are fearful. Is it from our parents? Is it from something we've been dictated, uh, whether it's TV, news, or something else? Uh, is it really real? Um, we've often been told that to fear certain cultures or uh, things that people do or say, but... That end of the day if you if you go and look in someone's eyes you will often have much more truth than fear um, if you let go of what you've been told meet them here in your yes. heart uh, when i used to travel in poland i used to travel by train and my grandma she used to tell me oh be careful it's so dangerous to travel by train <laughs> and it's because she used to watch tv and she used to hear the news and sure it's not a hundred percent safe but It was always safe for me to travel by train, but that came from her watching TV and being fed yeah. those bad news. And I noticed a pattern on TV in Poland is that 
they feed you all those bad news and then there's a lot of um, advertising for pharmaceuticals. Mm. So they create the problem and the they solution. they provide the fake solution with the, with the pharmaceuticals mm. because a healthy person is not profitable. No, of course not. It doesn't make money for the system that way. And we see it, you know. We can have any discussion in different directions, <laughs> whether it's vaccines or whatever. Oh. It's okay. I get it. There And there are different angles to everything, right? Yeah. We get that. There is always yeah. somewhere that somebody needs some medication, and it's valid enough. Yes. But we don't all need it. No. Right? And so that's the self-ability to have conversation with self and trust in self and trust in discernment and then that we can make the right decisions around ourselves. We don't always need medication. We don't always need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with us, you know. Like, we, I grew up with it, you know, being pregnant and giving birth was, was something really, really scary and dangerous. Oh, yeah. And it's not. It's, it's natural, you know. It's a, it's a natural thing. Tell me about it. I'm really upset about how it, it is portrayed in the media. They teach us to fear this beautiful, sacred experience mm-hmm. that giving birth is. It is the most beautiful spiritual sacred thing there is yeah it is and uh, we, we get deprived of a lot of it by having to experience it first of all alone which is we're not meant to there mm-hmm. is you know this of course it's for the individual but i truly believe we, we're supposed to have people around us that we love and can hold our hand and laugh a little bit and be there when the pain is mm-hmm. there and the joy and the rising of that and and this magnificent thing that is actually happening and instead, I was, you know, all I saw was these horrible, horrible things. So when I was supposed to have chili, I was terrified, of course, right? Had to work with it really a lot. And, mm-hmm. and like a lot of other people, I had like 30 hours of labor and it was pretty horrific. And, and I almost died. But, um, but the joy of it kind of got washed away. And that saddens me today because mm-hmm. it, it is a joyful thing. Mm-hmm. Even in all of that, mm-hmm. it's still a magnificent moment that you, you bring someone into life. Yeah. And it should be celebrated as such, mm-hmm. I find. Uh, but the fear-ridden yeah. thing around it. And in my case, I gave um, birth in Quebec. And they were super wonderful. But they were so scared something was going to happen to me, right? Because I was, you know, a foreigner. So they, they, I was hooked up to everything you can possibly think of being hooked up to. And... And I would have loved to have a midwife, but that's not in the culture over there. Um, and I get it. We did the best we could with what we had, and mm-hmm. and, and it's okay. He's he's mm-hmm. a, you know six foot yes. four. He's great. <laughs> he survived yes. us. But uh, I I can you know this is one of the moments I would say if fear deprived me of stuff. It, yeah. yeah, sometimes it did. It took mm-hmm. some stuff away from me that and now uh, a lot more mature and and yeah. wiser would have done mm-hmm. differently. Yes. In my case, uh, I was pregnant here on Denman and I felt the opposite of fear. Mm. I trusted and I surrendered because I was surrounded by the most beautiful woman and they carried me throughout this process and they celebrated me and I knew that nothing could, bad could happen to me. Exactly. So. Oh, it's a beautiful mm-hmm. Thank you. And uh, so Philippa, uh, yeah. what are your ways of coping with fear? Well, I have my own personal ways, and they're pretty much the same as I try and teach uh, people when they come and see me. Um, the first is to realize that I am fearful of something. The, the admitting that to self instantly brings it forward and into the to the light. 
which then shrinks it a little bit. Yeah. I think also not being too dramatic around one's own fear, having a little bit of a sense of humor, if mm -hmm. it's possible, it depends mm -hmm. on if it's life and death, it's a different thing, of course. But if we know that we are fearful of something, it's good to look at if it's irrational, right? We always we all have that ability to discern. Am I irrationally fearful of dogs or flying in my case or certain kinds of uh, interaction with people or and there could be many reasons why but if I am and I feel it is obstructing my life it's making me make decisions that are not good for me uh, because I'm scared of a confrontation in my case often it will be confrontation I don't like to upset others so therefore as a child I had this and it, it follows me I have to remember to step forward and say what I have to say so what I do is I put it out there I talk with it I literally have a conversation with my fear that's okay uh, you're being unreasonable why what do you need from me what can I do why are you scared and 98% of the time I feel this little child that was me and and just like can't I don't know how to cope with it I don't know how to do that I don't want to people to get mad I don't want and in that case if great well come here take my hand we'll go and have a conversation with these people whatever it is the situation is it didn't and you know it can be just sitting down with the people around in my life and and figuring out how to talk about these things but mostly it can be it can also be about fear of losing people we've unfortunately recently lost people and i had to talk with my own fear of losing out of moments losing out of time with these souls that i i wanted to spend more time with mm -hmm. so my fear of loss my fear of not being able to spend more time with them having to sit with that for a long time um, and of course it's it's a fear that that you can't really bury it it's it's there but you can hold it you can comfort it and most fears makes more reasonable choices after that uh, if we walk next to them and we choose knowing yeah I am scared but I'm gonna have a better head on my shoulder doing this if I know that I'm walking with myself and I'm not just acting out of fear mm -hmm. So I, my child, for example, were super allergic to wasp uh, sting for years and to, to the point of death. And it was one of the scariest thing I knew because you yeah. never know, you yeah. know, and it made me super irrational to the poor child because I had to make sure he had Benadryl and EpiPens and any parent who's lived with this know mm -hmm. how, how stressful it is. But it would also make your child feel guilty somehow. So yeah. I d didn't want him to carry that, but I also needed him to be safe. And I had to talk a lot with that fear to not put him in situations where he had to um, not live life in a way that was fun, you know, be still able to play soccer and basketball yeah. and whatever else he would choose. So I had to be rational with it, put my fear on and say, OK, no, there's no way he's not going to be able to live life because you're terrified of losing mm -hmm. him. I refuse that. So I had to talk to my fear about it and make practical solutions would mm -hmm. then would calm me down right but that's what I mean by fear yeah. and it's in, in a lot of women stay in marriages for example out of fear of not being able to take care of themselves codependency yes codependency and we've been taught very hard that we are not able to live otherwise this doesn't quite apply here I have to say that this is more where I come from and it's 2020 and things are changing. Yeah. We yeah. are rising. Yeah, exactly. Comment for you. Um, <laughs> but but if we have to look at before. Um, there's a lot of women who was kind of taught that, you yeah. know, if they didn't stay in that situation, uh, they were doomed. And um, that's another fear. 
the fear of uh, being able to take care of self, to uh, trust that life will serve you and, and give you the opportunity to rise in different places you never thought you were going to be able to. But I find that the moment you start really opening up and trusting that it's going gonna, it's gonna to show you. You might be impatient and you want it right now, right? Um, but if you allow, 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 and and generously live life uh, it gives you what you need yeah. it's maybe not purple but pink mm-hmm. or blue or you know but it, it will come in the most beautiful way mm-hmm. uh, before covid uh, i had to go to town once a week to take my daughter to dance and of course she likes going to the mall me not so much so i find myself at the mall and i start having anxiety which never happens but the mall, I just can't cope with the mall. So with the mall, so I was like, I have to do something because I'm not, I'm not feeling well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, what do I have in my toolbox that I can use to make myself feel better? And I'm like, a mantra. Which mantra do I use? Yeah. And the one that I use is the one that I was taught by our friend Anira, <laughs> which which comes from uh, Ramdas, and it is. The power of God is within me. The grace of God surrounds me. Mm. And I started saying this out loud. And after three times, I felt so much better. The anxiety had gone. Fear had gone. And there are such powerful words. Mm. Yeah, I feel the shift almost right away. So it is good to be prepared and to have tools in your toolbox Mm that you can use and I know that a good one for fear is uh, EFT emotional freedom technique mm-hmm. tapping yes so you can google it there's a lot of videos on uh, YouTube and it is a great tool I I was actually tapping before we started recording because I'm always a little nervous before recording and you can feel the shift almost right away you can um, one of the techniques I have is to enter my body where I am I often if I feel I'm in a situation let's say people get aggressive around me I'm in town or I have no control of what's happening around me is to get grounded right away so where am I where are my feet where are my hand where are my other hand where is my breath how do I breathe how do I get my breath into my lungs that will instantly get you mm-hmm. present in your body and mm-hmm. start freeing your mind to think rationally yes. instead of irrational. If I fear people are going to want to harm me, you need to be calm. Yes. You need to make the right decision. You don't need to obstruct your situation already. So that's one of the way. Another way is to count your fingers. I'm serious. It is serious. You just look at them. You can and tapping them together. Say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and that makes your brain focus on this so the chemistry starts calming down and there are other you can yeah. put your tongue up on your teeth if you can't get to your hands mm-hmm. uh, so there are many different ways to get ourselves back in our bodies so we can make rational decisions around what we're doing and where we are same thing if you're in a car accident and let's say you're wounded and and full of fear often that can be that you you have to make the right decision at breathing you have to breathe and just focus on your breath, push it in, pull it out, just in your nose, in your mouth, if you don't have your nose available and vice versa. Breath is everything for you to calm down, right? just deep breath. Yes, uh, getting into your body is great, dancing, going mm-hmm. for a run, going for a bike ride. 
I love going for a bike ride every day to the beach. I love feeling the wind against my face, listening to my favorite songs. Nothing makes me happier. And also have a playlist of your favorite songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's oh. a great way to shift your energy. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's dancing. Yes. Oh, my God. I love Yes. Dancing. It's fantastic. And then, yes. Close it out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then another great one, um, it's breath work. I can't say it enough. Uh, when you do breath work, dedicate the time. Take 10, 20 minutes to do it. Because it's like hitting a reset button. Or take take a cold shower. Uh, what I have learned from fasting and from taking cold showers is that it, it builds willpower. So then when I'm facing a challenging situation... I'm way more relaxed because I've dealt with the hunger pains. I've dealt with the cold shower. So life becomes easier when you can challenge yourself. I think it's really important to do so. Um, I I don't think I could live a life where I would not challenge myself. Um, And maybe sometimes too much, depending on who you are that's looking. But I really like to explore push my own boundaries i think from uh, from the time i went to saint croix walking towards the edge of something is is really interesting to me but this is me personal everybody is a little different i just find it super thrilling we have this life and it's so magical and sometimes it's terrifying and sometimes we die and or or but what could for me be worse than missing out and actually taking that breath and walking in the forest in the middle of the night and going down by the beach and you know <laughs> it's like of course common sense is good to have and you yeah. know and, and making some good choices bring a flashlight if you have to but yeah. I will not not live anymore yeah it's my life I know. and it's your life right yes. it's it's important yes claiming it is good Talking about missing out, when I released the podcast, I was so scared because of my English, because of this, and people were going to judge me. People are going to judge me anyways, so I may do something that I love. And then uh, in 10 years from now, I didn't want to regret that I didn't do the podcast. Exactly. That's it. So you want to do things now, right now, the best way you can. Don't wait till tomorrow. And this is one of the big lessons from COVID. The time is now. Go see your friends. If you can, say what you have to say. Wear the nice dress. Yep. Put the nice clothes on. Love, just love. love. Oh my God! <laughs> just say it and love and do it and be there right now. Oh, this was lovely, Philippa. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. I'm really honored to be here. It is my pleasure. I'm so happy that we can do life together on Denman. And do you have a website or an email address or? I do have an email address um, that people can email me for if they want to um, have sessions or would like to me to explain stuff to them. It's Buddha to heart in one go at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Philippa. Oh, thank you, Magda. I'm very, very happy to have been here. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. My pleasure. <laughs>